Here's an oldie but a goodie from the archives from the Side Hustle Show Greatest Hits Collection. 10 Foundational Hustle Habits to Improve Your Health, Wealth, and Happiness. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. This week, I'm excited to revisit the topics of productivity and efficiency with one of the most productive and disciplined people that I know, the one and only Steve Scott from developgoodhabits.com. Longtime listeners of the show might remember Steve from way back in the archives in episode nine. We're talking single digits. This was four years ago. He's been making a full-time living online for years, primarily through his writing. He's the author of more than 70 books, including the all-new Wall Street Journal bestseller, Habit Stacking, 127 Small Changes to Improve Your Health, Wealth, and Happiness. I've been fortunate enough to have been in a mastermind group with Steve for the last two and a half years or so. And I think some of his habits have rubbed off on me over that time, though, as you're about to hear, there are quite a few that I'm still working on. In this episode, we pulled out the 10 habits he considers absolutely foundational to your well-being as a human in the 21st century and as an entrepreneur. They're not all business related, but as you listen in, think of how you can add these into your daily routines. Most take five minutes or less, and you might have some of these down already. You can let us know what you think of these habits at sidehustlenation.com slash habit stacking. We kick this thing off with habit number one, track your time. Ready? Let's do it. This really is something that you could do with, with about five seconds, multiple times during the day. So to get started, what I would recommend is create buckets for the different aspects of your side hustle. So for me, for instance, I have as one category writing, a second category is marketing, then there's social media time research, that sort of thing. So you want to take whatever you do on a consistent basis and put it into different categories. And then from there, what you want to do is to actually track your time. So I would recommend going out and downloading an app like the, actually the app that I use is called A Time Logger. That's A, like the the letter A, timelogger.com. And that's a simple app that you can put on the iOS or the Android device And whenever you start one of these uh, tasks, so for instance, every time I start writing, I just put a clock to it and I just, I'll do a block of writing. I'll usually try to do it around a Pomodoro. It's about 25 minutes. I'll stop the clock and then I'll go do a quick uh, walk around the room and come back and continue on. But the idea of tracking your time is you want to get, it pretty much gives you a good realistic overview of where you're actually spending time with your side hustle. And then what I would recommend from there is once a month, review where you spent the most time and try to tweak what you're spending your hours on. So for instance, I strive to do about 30% writing each month and about 20% on book marketing. And if I see at the end of every month that I'm not spending as much time in those categories as I should be, then I try to eliminate other aspects of my business. So I try to cut down a social media time or I try to cut down the admin time. So the idea here is really you just want to maximize your energy in the most important areas of your business. Do you get any more granular than that? Or is it just like a broad category for writing? Or is it like I'm writing this specific blog post, this specific book? Or what does that look like? So yeah, so actually, if you want, I do get a little bit more granular. So when it comes to writing, actually, I go as far as I still track my word counts. So I have an Excel spreadsheet. It's just literally each line is what I'm working on that day. So for instance, I'm working on the third draft of my forthcoming procrastination book. So I'll just, I'll put like how many blocks of time that I spent in that particular writing project. And the idea of, of actually tracking my writing time, that granular is the fact that I know how much energy I need to put in each book project. Like I'm, I'm at the point where I spend about a hundred blocks of time on each of my books at around 20 to 25,000 words. So that's around 
50 hours for just from start to finish with each book project. But you don't necessarily have to do it. That just I just prefer specifically with my writing to track it to that level. But with other aspects of my business, I just I just put a lot of different things under admin time, like reviewing contracts, going to the post office, stuff like that. But I really do try to put everything in some sort of category. Okay. Well, that's kind of a fun way to look at it. Well, I know in a hundred blocks, I chip away at it one block at a time, I'm going to have a new book. And that's kind of a fun way to look at it. Atimelogger.com. That's a new one for me. I haven't looked at that. So I have to check that one out. I've used one called Toggle in the past, T-O-G-G-L. And it's basically, I mean, it's a glorified stopwatch, right? You, you punch in what you're working on, you hit the button, and then it kind of tracks what, what you do and sends you a nice report at the end. If you don't want to do any of that, just have like a Google sheet open or even an Excel sheet open and say, hey, start time, stop time, this is what I'm working on. And I don't know, it's like a mental thing of like being on the clock is, well, now I've got to hustle and get this stuff done. Like I'm going to minimize distractions during that time because it's like, well, I don't want to inflate the hours I was spending on that. So definitely a really effective way to, especially if you only have a half hour, hour, two hours a day to work on your business. Like this is a really effective way to not only see where your hours are going. And so you'd be able to audit that and we'll get into what you can do with that data in a minute, but just to kind of make yourself more productive during that time to like, well, I'm going to go faster because I'm on the clock. Yeah. I I find the same thing. It's just whenever there's a clock going, if my wife comes and talks to me, I actually have to turn off the clock. And like, I get really (laughs) OCD about (laughs) it. My stats. (laughs) I kind of like, she, she hates this. Like she told like, I kind of just talked to you for five seconds. I'm like, well, I'm in the middle of something. So (laughs) stop the clock. And then it's a little bit of our, our personal dynamic. But the point being is like, I find I used to do this myself. You sit on a computer for an hour, like, yeah, I worked about an hour today, but how much of that time were you actually working? How much time were you farting around on Facebook and stuff like that? You want to make sure you're being completely honest with yourself about how much your time is invested in what you're supposed to be doing with your business. All right. I love it. That's habit number one, track your time. Habit number two is review your goals daily. And this is something I'm completely guilty of, of skipping. Even in the last couple of years, haven't really made any concrete annual goals. So I'm curious about your goal setting process, whether that you're doing the whole 12 week year thing, or you, what does that look like every morning? Well, these are my lifelong goals. or these are my goals for the day. What does that habit look like for you? I tried a 12 week year and just, I tend to not do stuff that stresses me out. And the 12 week year really stressed me out. And I find that I just, I work better where I have a quarterly goal. It's what I'm working on. Sometimes there's an actual smart goal attached to it, like where it's an actual deadline with this outcome. Sometimes it's just what I want to really focus my efforts on. And I've really decided to take a more just holistic approach of my life. And right now I commit myself to only five areas of my life. And that's the only five things I worry about. And if anything is outside of that, I pretty much tell the person no. So I become a bit of a jerk about this, but if it doesn't fit one of these five things, then I just learn to say, all right, this is just not for me. Okay. What are the five? So for right now in order, it's be present with my friends and family. So actually make time for spending time with my parents, my brother who is visiting right now from San Diego, obviously my wife and my son. So anytime I have an opportunity to spend with them, I really do make the concerted effort. And I know this is something that everyone says, but this is something that was really difficult for me because like a lot of side losses, I, I love working. So it's, it's hard to shut down. Yeah. Number two is I'm training for an Ironman race in November and it was going well up until a week ago, but I've been injured this past week, but that's really just something I'm working towards. And that is a hellacious, uh, difficult race. So it, it involves pretty much exercising upwards of two to three hours a day, which is pretty intense. Yeah. yeah that's another job in itself. It is. It's I've heard somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 25 hours a week. 
at the maximum of training. So it, it's, it requires a lot of effort. Number three is writing books. And that will probably always be on my list is writing books. Number four is working on my blog. So I want to kind of optimize my blog and make sure that it, I get as much traffic as possible. And that's just kind of one of my side businesses right now. Is on the Develop Good Habits blog? Yes, Develop Good Habits blog. Okay. And actually, I, sh- I forgot. The, the number four is actually book marketing. And then number five should be in Develop Good Habits blog. But the point is, is I have three primary business goals right now and two personal goals. And I try to do my best of making sure that every waking second of my day are just focused on those five areas of my life. Okay. And it seems like I got to... That actually helps... Well, it helps you say no to the things that don't fall into those buckets, which is pretty broad. But so it's like, like we were talking offline about a speaking gig I've, I've got to go do next week in, in the city. And it was like, you know, a friend asked me to go do it. And I was like, oh, you know, do I really want to make, take that evening away, right? From friends and family. But, you know, you look at it as a growth challenge and getting in front of people is always good and trying to maybe make some new connections and stuff. So there's like, there's a, there's a business aspect to it, a networking aspect to it, but maybe I got to work on these goals. I <laughs> just try and be a little bit more well-defined on that. So with like the developgoodhabits.com blog, for example, like what's like a goal for that? Or what's the goal that you're reviewing daily for that? So actually what I do is I just have something pop up on my Chrome screen. So I actually went out, created a page on my website and I have just my Chrome screen automatically load that page every time I fire it up. So it's just simply just a list of my five goals. So not only do I look at it when I fire up my computer first thing in the morning, but also every time I click out of Chrome and restart it, it just pops up again. So it's almost like a constant visual reminder that these are the five things I'm supposed to be focusing on. Well, that's kind of cool. What tool is that? Or is that, how do you set that up? Simply just create a web page on your website. If you go to WordPress, just create one that's not indexed anywhere. I just did like a blank, what do you call it with, with WordPress? We just create like a blank screen and you can just like type in whatever you want on it. There's no logo or, or head or anything. I forget exactly what it's called. It's just like an HTML file, I guess. Yeah. And I think if you go to options or settings, you can actually set your browser to load whatever page you want. So I just have it load that one particular page. It's really kind of a janky setup, but I couldn't find a good screensaver that would just post what I wanted to post and nothing else. Yeah, I've got one. So my new tab pops up. I forget the name of this app. See, this is great. There's no branding whatsoever on this home screen. It's just like a beautiful picture. It tells you what time it is and asks, what's your main focus today? So I imagine if you fill that in. Oh, that's another one that I've had before. It's called the focus tab or the focus screensaver or something like that. Well, I'll look it up. I'll put it in the show notes for you. Unfortunately, I can't figure it out what it's actually called. They ought to do a better job of branding this so people can share it. But it, I know exactly the, the one you're talking about because I used to have it on my screen. Yeah. What's your main focus today, Nick? And then you can type it in and then hope, presumably every new browser tab you open up and you're about to go to Facebook, it'll slap you in the face and be like, well, you told me in the first thing in the morning, you, your main goal was this. Yeah, actually I did try that before, but you have to insert it every single day. You have to update it. And I wanted something that tells me every single day what my five goals are. And I wanted nothing else on the screen. Okay. And then you can set that in the Chrome, in the browser settings, like make this my new tab default page. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So that's habit number two, review your goals daily, something I definitely need to get better about. I think just even a sticky note on the side of the monitor, I think would be helpful for focus. Habit number three we have as write down all of your tasks. What does this one look like for you? Okay. So this is actually just a simple exercise. You could put this in Evernote. You could have this as a text file. And that's actually what I do. Just I just have a text file on my computer and I have this open at all times. So the idea here is just a simple one minute habit as you're writing, as you're doing stuff for your business, just get into practice of writing it down inside this text file. So for instance, I 
updated my Amazon marketing services ads. I look for keywords to put into my Amazon marketing ads. I decided to look for two articles to write. So I did keyword research. So you want to basically take every single action that you do on a regular basis and just write it down as a task that you regularly do. This is not the to-do list. This is like the what I did list. Yeah, kind of like what you did list. And it doesn't have to be anything fancy, but the idea here is you want to have an idea of what you're doing regularly every single day. Now, the benefit here is eventually you want to start delegating these tasks. And I know that's something uh, you've talked about many past episodes. And this kind of ties into Chris Ducker's three lists of freedom, where he has a simple exercise where you write down three things. So the things that you hate doing every day, the things you can't do yourself, and the things you shouldn't be doing. So what you want to do is obviously every single day, write down this list, but maybe once a week or once a month, just go back over this list that you regularly create tasks on or you regularly write down stuff. And you want to start to find ways of unloading some of these tasks that you don't really need to do yourself. So you could hire a full-time VA and actually the service I use to find my current VA. I found her through uh, Chris's website, virtualstafffinder.com. You could hire a freelancer to handle like one aspect of your business Or you could automate the process using an IFTTT.com type of recipe or something through Zapier. So the idea here is you want to try getting rid of as many stuff that really isn't attached to your 8020 as much as possible. Okay. So you can kind of combine this with your time tracking is you have now a log of all the stuff you're doing and how long it took you to do. And so, well, this is not rocket science. Like I could probably train somebody to do this for me. And that becomes an opportunity for delegation. Yeah, absolutely. I personally don't really combine the two activities, but usually right when I hit the timer, I just write it down on my list if I haven't already done it already. But yeah, they could definitely easily be combined with each other. Okay. I've got a actually kind of a janky setup with a service called Nudge Mail and a service in just like a Google form. So every night it sends me a survey. I think you can do this for free with like idonethis.com, but it'll send you an email and you can have it sent to your team members too. What did you get done today? Right. And it's like this daily checkup. And so writing it down in the moment is probably a little bit more effective than trying to remember at the end of the day, everything you got done, but it's kind of this accountability, self-accountability, right? Like here's what I got done today. And also this kind of like itemized stuff. Like, am I writing down the same thing every day? Like maybe I don't need to do that. If that's something that somebody else could handle or something that could be automated. So like the IFTT recipes, one of the ones that I'm kind of been excited about lately is So first, this is kind of like a convoluted thing. So first I add the new podcast record, like the raw audio to Dropbox. And then the editor picks it up from there. He puts his final audio in a different folder and that triggers through IFTTT. If this, then that an automatic notification to the writer, Phil, who does the summary, does the highlight reel. Oh, nice. And so it's kind of like this fun, like, you know, now these different members of the team are communicating each other without even really knowing it, you know, just through this kind of automation through Dropbox and through IFTTT. So there's kind of, I mean, it doesn't take a ton of time to send a notification email, but it's just one less thing to worry about. So I kind of like that one. So writing down, so that's habit number three was writing down all these tasks, not only what you, not not just a to-do list, but like also your done list. Yeah, you exactly. can analyze where your time is going. So that was habit number three. More side hustle show goodness in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors. If you travel a lot for work or for a vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time 
and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Habit number four is fix your broken windows. So when I saw this in the book, I was like, my windows aren't broken. What's going on? Tell me about what fixing your broken windows are. So I pulled that from uh, Malcolm Gladwell. In the book, he talks about the kind of the broken windows theory that in New York, there's a lot of urban blight where people's, the windows are smashed, there's graffiti all over the place. And the theory goes that the more kind of just nasty stuff in the environment, the more it almost invites crime. So if you have a nice pristine looking area, people are less likely to commit crime. Now, I'm not saying that's really a true theory or not, but it's kind of the idea there that if you're surrounding yourself with chaos and mess and just a lot of discord in your media environment, then you're probably less likely to feel productive or motivated. So if you start your day and you start to do a couple small things that kind of make you feel just positive, then you'll kind of lay the groundwork for having a good productive day. Now, the best example of this is when you get out of bed, you make your bed. And it sounds silly, like uh, I'm sure everyone listening, when they were little, they got yelled at because they didn't make their bed. I, I did too. But just a simple thing of just getting out of your bed and making your bed, it's the first thing you've, you've done from the day and you already feel kind of a positive result. And then from there, you want to just kind of systematically make sure that the stuff that you're surrounding with is just nice and orderly. You're just not taking up a lot of mental bandwidth looking at like a piles of paper next to your computer or like a bunch of sticky notes related to your to-do list. So, so I just find that just kind of cleaning up around yourself helps you feel more productive to start the day. Yeah, I've heard about the making the bed thing. I think this was, yeah, you're, you're right, the Malcolm Gladwell reference. I think it was the tipping point. Hmm. There's a reason why they really emphasize the bed, you know, making your bed in boot camp and stuff. And I found too the same way, like, why make the bed? I'm just going to get back in it in 12 hours. <laughs> like, it's fine. But it kind of, it's this weird mental hack of like, well, 
sleep time is over. I'm closing the sheets on that. And now awake time has begun and kind of gives yourself permission to exit the room and you've left it in a, in a decent state. So that's kind of the, the fix your broken windows. Habit number four, I'm looking around my recording studio slash living room and it's like, man, there's a ton of broken windows in the form of toddler <laughs> toys like all over the place. So I could probably do better at this around the house too. Just So you found it, it just kind of is a, is a way to clear up physical and mental clutter. Yeah, definitely. It is kind of a sense of irony as, as well as I'm, as we're recording this, I'm looking at my office and there's all sorts of mess all over the place. So all right. do as we say, not as we do. <laughs> Sometimes not hundred percent perfect, but like you, I'm, I'm a new dad. So kind of have to roll with the punches a bit. It's all temporary. That's why I tell myself like all these big bulky toys that come into the living room. All right. Well, you know, you're going to play with this for six months and then it'll be gone. I do find that when I sit down with wherever my workspace is, I do have to actually clean up that immediate area. And then whenever I go to Starbucks, I make sure I only get out like my laptop and just the things I need to work with and nothing else. So just a small little thing. It just helps you just get you almost in a mindset. All right, that this is time where I need to sit down and do work and not have any sort of physical distractions weighing on my subconscious mind. I never thought about it before. Maybe that's why the coffee shop is such a productive place. It's like, well, that's all you have is your laptop and your drink. It's like, well, there's no, I mean, there's the ambient noise and stuff, but there, yeah, okay. Clean up your broken windows. That was number four. Number five we've got is wear a step tracking device. This is for the, for all the Fitbit lovers out there. <laughs> I am a Fitbit crazy person. I, I love my Fitbit, but this kind of ties into before when I talked about tracking your time that you want to try to f- follow a little bit of a model where you start a watch and stop it after 20, 25 minutes. And I tend to follow the Pomodoro technique, which is 25 minutes on and five minutes off. And that's literally you, you time yourself until the clock is done you get up and you take an instant break. You don't sit there and say, all right, one more minute. You get up and you get away from your computer. And what you do during that time, what I would recommend is to spend three to five minutes walking around, just getting a little bit of exercise. And just the simple fact that if you're, you're always sitting down, which I know you've talked about, you use your standing desk, just you want to not always be sitting down because there's been a lot of talk about how that reduces your lifespan. And just the idea of getting movement can help you feel a little bit more motivated and invigorated for the day. So I would say between each focus block, so between each 25 minute block of time, walk for three to five minutes. And what I would recommend is actually a specific Fitbit device, a Fitbit Charge 2. And what that does is it actually buzzes every hour. Like it's almost like you want to Pavlov's dogs. It's just, it, it kind of buzzes. You have to look at it and tells you to get up and take 250 steps. Okay. And it gives you an exact amount. So it says, all right, do 250 steps and it counts it. And you sit back down. So if you follow that model, just in a 10-hour day, you'll get about 2,500 steps in addition to any other exercise you normally get. You try and go outside or are you just doing laps around the office? I do, both. If I'm at Starbucks, I'll actually go physically outside. I'll walk down the block, walk back, and that's usually about five minutes. Depending on the weather, I'll walk around the house or sometimes I'll go out to the mail, grab the mail, come back in I just or grab a cup of tea. I just try to make sure I physically get up out of my seat and get some sort of movement. Yeah, you're, you're good about that. I see my the half hour will be up and I'll be like, well, I'm on a roll now. Like, I don't want to get it. Like I'm trying to edit the show or I'm trying to do it just, it's hard to, to remind this. So this one is like a, a thing that will buzz in your pocket or buzz on your hip or is it a wrist thing or how does it work? It's like a watch. So it actually buzzes at you. Okay. Okay. It's funny because my one friend I hang out with on weekends, he's like, don't you tell me what to do. He's always yelling at his watch, but <laughs> it does work because it, you notice it and you get up and you're like, okay, I'll, I'll listen to you master. You get up and you start yeah. walk around. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all about it. actually, like my folks are obsessed with their Fitbits. Like, you know, they're at, you know, 9,800 steps. Like they'll be pacing around the bedroom before bed. They're like, oh, I got to get my 10,000 in. And yep, even, I'm the same way. 
they'll look at it, <laughs> which is good because that's the goal for it. It's like trying to get you moving and you know, like what gets measured gets managed, right? So if you exactly. quantify that stuff and even if it's just that reminder not to be sitting all day, that's a very, I mean, I've got a whole book on treadmill desk revolution about how sitting is really, really bad for you. And, you know, I try and start every morning on the treadmill desk to at least build a nice base layer of, of walking or steps before sitting down for the rest of the day, but I'll do better. Okay. I promise I'll do better about getting up every <laughs> half hour and doing, doing more walking. So that's habit number five, where step tracking device. Okay. So habit number six we have is keep a food diary. This is not directly related to your work, not directly related to your hustle, but it kind of goes back to the idea of your energy levels and, and just taking care of yourself. And I think it was a quote in essentialism where it's like, if you don't take care of your body, where are you going to live? So I've never done this, but I have had some friends who've had like some crazy results using the, the food diary, using the MyFitnessPal app, which I think is like two or three bucks, but I could be wrong on that. So is this something that you use to just kind of track food intake or what's the advantage of this? It's yeah, pretty much exactly what you said. It's just when you sit down and take the time to write down and you're very honest with yourself. First off, you get accountability. You, you actually do get a, a good measurement of what you're actually putting into your body. And if you do use a MyFitnessPal, you know, almost exactly down to the calorie, how much you're putting in your body. But also there's a kind of a subconscious benefit that when you're writing this down, when you know you're going to have to write this down, so you're, you're driving past McDonald's, you're like, oh man, I want a double quarter pound of cheese. And you start to pull in there's that little voice in your head that says, well, you're going to have to write this down later. And then once in a while, I won't say you're going to be perfect with this, but once in a while, that little other voice in your head say, well, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't because you have to write this down and maybe you'll pull away from McDonald's and go to a healthier alternative. So the idea here is kind of like what you said before, what gets measured gets managed. So when you know how much you're putting in your body, you could start to make small choices to improve your health, but also you can start to make kind of subconscious decisions to not eat maybe the junk food that you normally do. Okay. Yeah. I might have to try this one because I'm always, I tell myself that I eat healthy and then I find myself like with a pile of chocolate chips, like, <laughs> or just, yeah, it kind of makes you rethink, well, maybe I don't need that, that next beer, or maybe I don't need that extra slice of pizza. And okay. So keep a food diary. What gets measured gets managed. I like that kind of the subconscious. Well, you know, do you find it takes a ton of time to enter this stuff in or is it like, does the interface make it relatively simple? I used to do it old school where I used to have a, this was, I would say five, six years ago when I actually did this and I really wanted to be super diligent. I've gotten a little bit lazier lately, but I used to put it in an actual journal journal. Back in the dark ages. Like the dark ages, writing down with pen and paper, it's crazy stuff. But yeah, with my fitness pal, it's one of the things you kind of have to teach a little bit, but once you get up and running, it does work pretty quickly, especially if you eat the same foods over and over, then you kind of know what to put down and what the weight is and how many calories and that sort of thing. So it is a pretty good tool. Fair enough. Well, I like that one. I'll have to try that and report back on, on the results for that. So that was habit number six, keep a food diary in the app. The recommended app was MyFitnessPal. Habit number seven is research one side hustle. I like this one. This one <laughs> is near and dear to my heart. Yeah, actually, I, when I wrote that one section, I'm like, oh, I wonder if Nick will love read this. So I'm glad you did read it. You got, I got a nice shout in the book. Thank you for that. Oh, my pleasure. And actually, this is something for, I think you said this once that uh, some of your audience hasn't actually gotten started with the side hustle. So if you're out there listening right now and you really haven't taken that first step, this would be a habit that I would definitely recommend. And this is what I would call an elephant habit. And that's the whole, the old adage, like how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? So instead of saying, all right, I'm going to go figure out what side hustle I need to do. I'm going to spend a whole day doing it. What you can do is five to 10 minutes a day, you can chip at this kind of large task and do a research on one particular side hustle. 
And what that's mean is that like you could just uh, create like a very simple Excel spreadsheet, write down like the idea of the side hustle, maybe link to this specific episode that Nick has given you a little bit more of a shout out. And also ask yourself a series of questions. Like, do I have time to work on this particular side hustle? Like if you only have 30 minutes a day, then you probably can't be an Uber driver, stuff like that. You want to make sure you actually have the time to work on this particular side hustle. What equipment is needed to get started? How much money do I need to invest? What type of business matches my personality? For instance, I'm kind of an introvert. So the idea of coaching 24-7 would be honestly a nightmare for me, but writing kind of matches my personality. So the idea here is you want to take each one of the side hustles. And actually, if you go out and buy a Nick's book, uh, Buy Buttons, he has a lot of wonderful side hustles that are mentioned there. And just go through the book or basically Nick's website and just research each one of these side hustles and do one of them a day. The caveat to that, and thank you for that shout out. Thank you for that plug. The caveat is at a certain point, you know, you got to stop researching and start doing. You're right. But maybe this is kind of the research phase to see, okay, what, you know, what's required for this? What does this realistically look like? And then what's the next step? Don't fall into the trap of doing endless research and saying, well, what's the, and never, <laughs> never trying the actual thing. Yeah, actually, I would, I, I do actually hundred percent agree with you that at a certain point you do want to pull the trigger. So maybe do this for a couple of weeks tops, but the one thing I would caution, and I'm sure we would both agree on this is that, when you start it, try to, to stick to it for a certain period of time. Because I think we've both seen tons of people who will start a Kindle business one week and then suddenly they're doing FBA and then they're trying to build a blog. Then they're trying to, they never stick with what's working. They just keep on almost getting to a point where things are starting to click and then they start something else. Yeah. So you got the book business, you got the, the blog business. What's one side hustle you're researching or you're working on these days? I did this for the last couple of months actually with my real estate business. I say business in air quotes because I only have. <laughs> one property right now, but I'm working on the second property. But I did this very same thing where I kind of did a lot of research. Is real estate something I want to get into? So I committed myself to every single day reviewing at least two or three properties. And I did that for a good four to five months where I just sat there every single day looking at different properties. And finally, when I saw one, I actually pulled the trigger on it. And right now I'm actually, I decide I want to do an all cash buy for my next property. So it's just taken a while to get all the money together. But the idea there is like you kind of chip away at one one thing you want to do on the side and just do a little bit every single day. Okay, cool. Congrats. And so all that research kind of made you more confident for when something did meet your criteria or you knew what you were looking for because you were kind of in that habit. Exactly. Actually, I'll give a shout out because I, I know you had him on, I can't remember the name, Listen Money Matters, the, the one guy from Listen Money Matters. They have a pro tool that I use to kind of analyze all my different real estate properties. And I thought that was a pretty slick little interface. And it's oh, kind of okay. punching in numbers and it just gives you not a thumbs up or thumbs down, but it gives you a couple of metrics that you can use to move forward. And is this something that's going to give me a positive ROI? And I try to find something with at least $200 ROI every single month. Oh, okay. Listen Money Matters. We'll turn and find that or link that up for the show notes. Pro.ListenMoneyMatters.com. All right. They do an awesome job with their show. It's pretty fun. Oh, one of my favorites. All right. So that's habit number seven, research one side hustle. And of course, don't get bogged down too much in the research. Eventually, you got to pull the trigger and buy that property and launch that product or launch that site, whatever it is, and go forward. Hey, just wanted to take a moment to thank our sponsors for helping make this content free for everyone. Habit number eight we have is break down a big project into manageable steps. And with 70 something books, you're the master <laughs> at this. And kind of, this is kind of the process I follow with the buy buttons launch is kind of, well, I want to launch by this date. So I got to have the draft done by this date. And so that means I got to do this much writing every week. 
And that was much more helpful than just having like write book as the you know, to-do <laughs> list item. I'm curious what that looks like. Maybe, maybe give an example of something that you're working on this month, a bigger project that's that you like, what steps are you working on today? Okay. So the idea there, this is very much the David Allen getting things done method that if you have write book on your calendar, you'll never get it done because what is that? That's really an unactionable item. It's just, it sounds so daunting that it's impossible to do. So what I would recommend is to take every single task and to just to identify the next step. And with things that I do on a regular basis, I actually create a kind of an automated list. So I actually have it in a text file and I just upload this to the Todoist app. And that's kind of my project management app of choice. And what you can do with uh, this particular app is you can just upload a project and it'll just spit out basically 70 steps that you have to follow. Now, it took me many years to kind of create these 70 steps, but to kind of answer your question, so what do I have in the pipeline? So I'm currently writing a book on procrastination. So I've gone through about 20 of those steps. I'm almost done with the third draft, but the next couple of things I need to complete are finalize the main title. So I have the main title is the anti-procrastination habit. And I'm just, for some reason, I can't think of a good subtitle. So that's something I, I have to work on tomorrow. I have to figure out the actual, I have to send back the cover images of what I received the other day and make sure that they're kind of fitting what I have in my mind and then finalize the third draft and then send that to edits. So that's that's really what my pipeline is like for this week. So really the point of this entire habit is whenever you're faced with something with multiple steps, you want to break it down into single action stuff that you can do in just one day. So write for a thousand words or do this one thing that takes about an hour and really depends on the nature of your side hustle. But you don't want to if anything that's on your list, if you don't really know what the actual action is, then you want to take a minute or two and identify a clear action. So it's not interview people for the next book. It's go to Harrow, leave a survey and talk to 10 people from Harrow, stuff like that, where you want to get really actionable and specific where you know definitively if you completed that step or not. Yeah, this is really powerful. Identify the next actionable step versus kind of this big picture thing. So one of the things that's been on my list for this quarter is redesign the website. And it's like that in itself is not an action <laughs> item. It's kind of like, well, okay, identify a theme, get some new pictures taken, hire somebody to modify it. Like, you know, it's kind of, you can step down all that stuff, even like add the job to Upwork. It's something I could definitely be better at. And if you find yourself with something on your to-do list for weeks and weeks at a time, and you're not making progress on it, it's probably because of this. Like you probably haven't identified that next step and you've made it seem too daunting. And that's kind of where some projects of mine have stalled out is like migrate the email list or set up these automations. Like it's impossible. Like I'm never going to have a, a block of time big enough to do that. It was like, okay, write this one sequence or write email one of this sequence. And then you kind of map exactly. it out. That's been helpful for me this year as well. So that's habit number eight, break down a big project into manageable steps, just like eating that elephant one bite at a time. Habit number nine, I thought was an interesting one. I actually heard this from a couple people lately and it was follow an evening shutdown routine. And can you tell me what your evening shutdown routine is like? And I'll, I don't know if I should share mine. It's actually pretty simple. No, I just pop on Netflix and watch it for five hours. And no. <laughs> I find myself, especially with our current political climate, I won't start talk, talking politics, but I found it just very, just too much. And I had to create something in my life where I'm not just sitting there looking at the news or reading the news and just getting worked up. So what I recommend and what I started to do is just create a simple five to 10 minute habit 
And at the end of the day, if you want to live an actual work-life balance where you're spending time with your family, you're enjoying your hobbies, you're exercising, that sort of thing, you need a really definitive end to your workday. And that that's really hard for entrepreneurs because a lot of us, we tend to work from home and there is no boss telling us when we need to arrive and when we need to leave. So what I would recommend is just an evening shutdown routine. So just a quick one. And actually, I did take a lot of this from Cal Newport's book, uh, Deep Work. So I, I owe him a lot of credit. I thought it was just a great idea. And I just kind of worked it for my own personal life. But just a few things that you want to quickly go over your calendar, make sure you're not forgetting any important tasks for the next day. So for instance, I for today, I actually needed to print out the kind of notes for this particular podcast episode. So I made sure I did that last night. You want to review the next day's calendar, make sure that you you know of any important appointments or interview stuff that might really kind of be a big bump in your day. You want to identify the one to three most important tasks. So these are what I would consider the 80-20 tasks. These are tasks that really are the most crucial for your business. You make you want to identify those things to work on first thing to start your day. Then you want to power down your computer. And actually, I really do mean power down your computer and don't look at it for the rest of the night, which is I know it's pretty hard for some people to do. What I like to personally do, and this is pretty extreme, plug in my phone to a wall charger, and then you don't look at that phone until the next morning. So that's kind of, I'm getting pretty hardcore with my shutdown routine, so it might not be right for everyone, but that's kind of what I do at the end of every single day. I like it. So what time is this for you? It's more of a gradual process. I say five to 10 minutes because it's easier to put into a really easy bucket in the book itself. No, I mean like time of day. Oh, time of day. So I tend to start doing this six six thirty or so. I come home. I'm, I'm playing with the kid. We're making dinner. I'm talking to my wife. We put him to bed around eight o'clock. So I would say between six thirty to eight, I might be just doing thing a little bit. One thing here for a couple of minutes. Another thing here for another couple of minutes. But by the time it's eight o'clock, I am actually fully shut down with my computer. And then maybe thirty minutes while my wife's upstairs, I'll fumble around my phone, like just look at stuff for like a little bit of time. But then from there, I'll actually charge it in the wall. And that's actually in my living room, which is like one level below my bedroom. I try to get pretty hardcore where I'm not looking at my phone. That's pretty good. Ours is kind of similar. You put the kid to bed around eight and then really eight to 10 or eight to nine, depending on what, what day it is, you know, kind of getting caught up on the day's email and stuff, and then identifying the most important stuff for the next day and then, and then shutting it down. So shutting down the computer is a nice signal for me. Like you can be done for the day. This stuff is still going to be there tomorrow. It's fine. And then you know, we'll do reading or we'll, you know, watch Netflix or whatever after that to kind of relax at the end of the day. So that was kind of habit number nine, this like shutdown routine, like just because if you don't shut down, it's always on and it's, you got to send the signal to the brain. Like it's okay. <laughs> this stuff is not life-threatening. You need to take a break for a minute or power down for a minute. I think that has been helpful, at least for me versus working late, late into the night or just like leaving certain tabs open, you know, so they're right yeah. there in the, like, let it, you just find a good stopping point and shut it down. Which brings me to habit number 10, which actually combo of several habits that were mentioned in the book, which was deep breathing, meditation, and progressive relaxation, which sounded very zen. The meditation thing we talked about on the podcast before, still having a hard time fully getting into that. But the deep breathing thing, actually from a conversation with John Lee Dumas earlier this year about look at a baby when they breathe, like, right? It's like, it's all going in their belly. And he's like, as adults, like we're very shallow breathers. And so when he said that, and of course, like I'm doing this, like while he's talking in my earbuds, like, you know, breathing into my stomach, like, man, that feels really good. So I like the deep breathing thing. Are you doing meditation practice? Are you doing morning miracle meditation journaling stuff? I kind of take habits. Sometimes I'll do them for a couple of months and then just decide not to do them anymore. 
I used to do a lot of journaling in the morning and I just decided for some reason it wasn't really helping me. And I'm like one of the few people actually say that. I know a lot of people absolutely love journaling. I just didn't. It says the author. (laughs) That's surprising. Yeah. I don't know. Most people I kind of want to like get started today. I do other things in the morning that really kind of help like energize and get me excited for the day, like reviewing my my goals. But I find journaling, it was a lot of times like write down what you need to do. I'm like, well, I kind of did it the night before. I don't really need to write down again. I just want to get to it. That said, I'm actually really like you. I mean, trying to experiment a lot with mindfulness, meditation. If you can't tell from this interview, maybe episode nine, I, I definitely talk fast. I'm very much the quintessential New Jersey person where I'm pretty hyperkinetic. So I'm trying to become a little more calm about it. And one of the things I'm experimenting with is progressive relaxation. And that's something my co-author, Barry Davenport, in a previous book, she talked about a lot about that in the book. And that's something I've been experimenting with myself. And it's just... Which title was that? That would have been Declutter Your Mind. And actually, I'm pretty sure she talked about it in 10-Minute Mindfulness as well. So I really like Declutter Your Mind. I thought nailed the title on that one. I thought it was really fun. Actually, part of it was like, you know, decluttering your surround. Like you worked through these steps and I was like, you know, I was on a kick for like the week afterwards. Like, okay, we got to do this. So so I thought that one was really good. Oh, thanks. Declutter your mind and then 10 minute mindfulness was the other one. So, okay. Sorry to interrupt. Go back to the progressive relaxation. I would say you don't necessarily have to do this in addition to meditation. And in addition, I would say just try to find one or two mindfulness practice and just, just do that. Don't feel like you have to do a bunch of them. And I know I have a book that has 71 of them. My advice would be just to do one or two. Don't necessarily feel the need to do all of them. So just progressive relaxation. It's just simply just consistently tensing and releasing the, the stress in certain parts of your body. So there's a six-step process I talk about in the book. So first off, you want to get comfortable by, by loosening your clothing. You want to take a minute and just take some really slow, deep breaths. So just like what you talked about, like in and out, in and out, belly breathing. And then you want to start with the bottom of your body. So you want to start, pay attention to your left foot, focus on how that feels. And then you want to slowly tense the muscles in your left foot tightly as you can and just hold that for 10 seconds and then relax the foot and then do that with your right foot. And you're slowly working your way up through your body. So right foot, you want to tense your, your calf muscles and your thighs and your quad, and you're, just, you're working way all the way up your body and just like tensing and relaxing that area. And just, it really is just almost like the mindful practice of just, looking at your body and just seeing where you're tense and releasing it. And I've tried it a number of times. It really does help, especially if you're feeling really stressed. I do. I tend to do it more in the afternoon, but you can also do it right after an evening shutdown routine. Yeah. It sounds like a kind of the perfect way to kind of get yourself ready to go to sleep. We did this on the beach in Mexico. I took this beach yoga class when we were in Mexico recently. Oh, nice. And after just reading about it in Habit Stacking, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the progressive relaxation thing. I've never heard of it before then, but then it was like kind of hit me two in a row. And I was almost asleep by the end. It was like super chill, super relaxed. So I kind of like it. Never heard of it before, but it was very relaxing. So kind of a combo, you know, find that mindfulness practice that works for you, the deep breathing, the meditation, the progressive relaxation. And maybe what I have to do is just buck up and pay for something like Headspace to have that accountability to do it 10 minutes a day and say like, well, look, try it for a month or two or three and say, well, I'm feeling less stressed out or feeling more mindful. And it's the same way, stressful stuff. Like the kid is screaming at you, the dog's going crazy. <laughs> and just like, I find myself with a shorter fuse than I would like to have. And so maybe something like this would be helpful. Just be more Zen, add more Zen to my life. I'm trying to get like that. Maybe it's just, it's just my age. I'm starting to, to appreciate the little moments, but I used to be very much the entrepreneur that had to do stuff. Like I would work uh, 15, 16 hours a day for a long time. And it really damn near broke me. And now I'm trying to be more like, all right, what's my 80, 20, what are my most important things? 
And then besides that, just let everything else go and be more, be more just in the present moment. I love it, man. Well, Steve, thanks for joining me on this. this is kind of a fun kind of a talk show type type of episode <laughs> more than a straight interview on uh, the 10 foundational habits for side hustlers and, and entrepreneurs. I'm curious to see what you would add to these. So let me know in the show notes for this episode. You can find Steve at habitstackingbook.com and developgoodhabits.com. And uh, let's wrap this thing up with your uh, number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. You remember what you told us in 2013? I know you told it to me right before this conversation. I forgot it now. Wow, I suck at this. It was very appropriate. You said commit to the daily habit and to build an email list. So I guess that's two number one tips. What do you got for us this year? Really similar to that. I would say identify your 80-20. So figure out what is the number one thing that drives your business. So is it making sales calls? Is it writing? Is it creating copy for your website? Just something that really is the one thing that produces the most amount of income for your business and get into the habit of doing that first thing in the morning right after a morning routine. So put everything aside, identify that as your most important task and spend at least 30 to 60 minutes first thing in the morning doing that. Very cool. Okay. So identify the 20% of effort that's driving 80% of the results and tackle that first thing in the morning. I love it. Steve, thank you so much. We'll catch up with you soon. Thanks for having me on again, Nick. All right. My top takeaways from this call with Steve. Number one, tracking is key. We saw this in the habits related to tracking your time, tracking your tasks, tracking your food intake, tracking your steps. So definitely a common theme of tracking and measuring what's going on in your life on a daily basis. I've found this almost stupidly simple habit to be really beneficial in terms of time tracking, in terms of micro habits, and even little experiments like my push-ups to failure challenge where I did as many push-ups as I could do every day and uh, wrote down that number and then tried to do at least one more the next day. And after 30 days, I went from 27 push-ups to over 70 by the end of that, just by trying to do this mental game of trying to do trying to beat my total from yesterday. And I think it was at least as much a mental game as it was a physical one. But tracking this stuff is really powerful and doesn't take that much extra time. So that was takeaway number one. Tracking is key. Takeaway number two is to get clear on your goals and review them daily. I really liked how Steve has those five priorities and they open up in his browser window every time. So he immediately has this thing staring him in the face that says, well, if what I'm about to do doesn't align with these goals, why am I doing it? It puts an imprint on your mind for everything that you do and everything you work on. Like, does it fit with your stated goals? And if not, should you really be doing it? I think that makes it easier to say no to stuff that doesn't align and easier to prioritize and say yes to the things that do. Takeaway number three is don't try and do all 10 of these at once. I think that's a recipe for failure. Pick one or two, position it as a 30-day challenge to yourself, position it as an experiment, track your results, of course. Do you feel better? Do you feel healthier? Do you feel more productive? If so, keep at it. And then once it becomes a habit, once it becomes second nature, like I feel the stuff has become for Steve and, and I'm working on myself, add on the next habit that you want to try. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, I would love to get your feedback on these 10 habits. Any surprises in there for you? Any glaring omissions that should have made the list? Any strategies that have worked for you in making a new habit stick? Let us know in the comments for this episode at sidehustlenation.com slash habit stacking. So that's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. I'll see you then. Hustle on.